0: Down miffed. to dunk. Yeah. Um, miffed and peeved. Miffed and peeved. That's yeah, a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. I know it. I
1: think the world. It's <laughs> a
2: real. It's <laughs> a
3: real one. That's <laughs> a real one. Not in your volcano. Down to dunk. Yes. <laughs> this is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. Right. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk.
0: Typically, we have McKellie Barra on the line today, but he is unable to join the podcast. So we are doing a special show today. It is a down-to-dunk OKC Dream Team crossover. So here in a few, you are going to hear the sounds of Fred Katz, John Hamm, Royce Young, and myself on the podcast. So get ready for that. Before we get to the show, I need to thank Andy Strosen-Custer for sponsoring today's show. You can go get Andy's in Oklahoma, Texas, Colorado, Kansas, Arizona, Missouri, Illinois, Florida. I'm pretty sure we have people in all of those states that are listening to our show. So please go find an Andy's frozen custard and order yourself a delicious concrete, a sundae, or just a delicious dip cone because their custard is unbelievable. It's made fresh hour by hour. You can get the Choco Rocco concrete this month. Uh, it's just, it's one of their special concretes or you can just get any kind of concrete you can imagine they have it i love to get uh, oreos with mint in their chocolate custard it's unbelievable also instead of mint you can get espresso and it's just as good maybe even better those are two of my favorites so go check out andy's frozen custard tweet us what your favorites are and Please support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat at Andy's Frozen Custard. Oh man! What is that sound?
3: <laughs> Are we lotioning up here. <laughs> what? what? Seriously, this? <laughs> that is my
2: that is my Nestle Boost nutritional drink oh. that I was shaking up.
3: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. <laughs>
2: I'm very excited about this podcast, guys.
3: <laughs> got, the, got the motion and the Kleenexes on the table, and I am ready. <laughs>
2: uh. Yep, so uh, Edmund schools close tomorrow. It sounds like Yukon schools are closed through Wednesday, from what I
0: heard. Yeah,
3: UConn through Wednesday, Mustangs through Tuesday. Tomorrow, I think tomorrow.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Deer Creek just canceled tomorrow. Yeah, they've got to be doing this for these, a long time. I think time. these teachers
3: ought to just take their money and go back to work because it's their germs. <laughs> <laughs> I see too many of those tweets. That's disturbing. One of my friends. One of my friends was a perfect example of this. He works for UPS. He's a UPS uh, driver. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like, like half serious, half joking. We were talking about it like two weeks ago. And he was like, uh, he was like, I don't know. I mean, like, it's kind of their jobs to go like teach, you know I mean? Like, you know, that's their job. You know, they're going to show up and teach their classroom. That's what they signed up to do. Like if I just decided to not deliver packages tomorrow, I'd get fired. That's just what happens. Then he kind of stopped there for a second. And he was like, although our union is planning a a strike in the next uh, two, two weeks. So, (laughs) I was like, exactly, buddy, exactly. Yeah, wow. He like kind of realized that it. it was like, yeah, that's pretty hypocritical of me to say.
0: Yeah, that's that's just not a good take. Not a good take at all.
2: No, I've I've had to listen to it. I saw my office pretty much all day.
3: Oh you know, yeah. When I
2: worked a job or I oh, was paid that that I loved, and I wasn't paid enough. I got a different job. Like you are so clueless.
3: Yeah because it's like what people don't understand is that you know you work at Devon or whatever and you feel like you're doing a job and you're being underappreciated you walk into your manager's office and you sit down and you present the idea of a raise to that manager and you like try to get it that's the way that like the private sector works a teacher can't walk into the principal's office and be like hey I'd like a raise for the, all the extra hours I'm putting in that's just not right mm-hmm. you're on a scale it's yeah. not the way it works and
2: again, it's they are fighting for education spending, not
3: not exactly their own paychecks. Exactly, so. they want they want crayons in their classroom for crying out loud.
2: Yeah, it seems like seems like we could we could fund a few of these things, so they don't have to.
3: But uh, more money would also be super cool.
2: Yeah, that too. I mean, I don't think, get me wrong.
3: Here is my plan, Andrew. I think you pay the teachers less, and you use that money to reappropriate it to give the kids textbooks. Because it really is just about the kids, right? Are you about the kids, Andrew, or not? Do you care about the kids? Right. I don't think you care about
0: the kids. I think that's that's an angle that everybody's going for, but like you know that underneath it's all like, come on, just give me like ten grand more so I can so I can feed my own kids, kind of thing, you know? Right. (laughs)
2: And again, this is a a state employee problem too. I mean, my wife hasn't got like a merit raise, like an annual merit raise, in, in years, the only way. That you get raises there is basically if you apply for different jobs within the organization, which is a complicated, convoluted process uh, because it's the state and it has to be. But, you know, th- there's problems all around. So, yeah.
0: Well, Whitefields is shutting uh, down in like 20 days. So, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> you
0: should, you should so. go on strike. I'm going on strike for those 20 days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to walk into the field and stand there and get real cold, and then go back
2: inside.
3: Hold up a sign. (laughs) Andrew, just come back inside, please. Yeah, come on. You don't don't need
2: to do this. Hey, Fred, did you pinch it off yet?
1: (laughs) I did take off my pants.
3: Oh, Oh, good. Don't worry. Ham's Ham's had his off since the very beginning. That's right. (laughs) Ham's been off for a while. (laughs)
0: Uh, is that cold open appropriate? That's
3: <laughs> true. Sure. That should just be the name of the podcast. Can you write that? What What is the... How would you type out? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Nobody taught me. The
0: teachers didn't have enough money then to no, teach me. Exactly.
2: How
0: to... I don't know. I don't know <laughs> English. Oh man. Are uh, you guys ready?
2: <laughs> Let's do it.
0: <sighs> Welcome to the OKC Dream Team. With me today, not wearing pants, Fred cats, Totally bare legged. Oh, uh, someone who hasn't declared that they're not wearing pants, but they obviously are not, John Hamm.
2: Just drinking my booze, gentlemen. Just drinking my Is that what it's called these days? Um, They booze. (laughs) (laughs) You you never know. You never know.
0: And our very special guest, Royce Young.
2: Hey,
3: howdy,
0: hey! So, the the Thunder are fifth in the West. They're at 45 and 33. And they may end up with a worse record than what they had last year. It could be better. It could be worse. We don't know yet. But A lot of people say you are what your record
3: says you are. Roast Young, do you think that's true with this team? I I don't really – well, I don't think it's really true at all because I don't think last year's team was what their record was. I think that they overperformed their record last year. I think that if you look at a lot of the advanced metrics, um, uh, which – I'm trying to think of which one exactly it was, but somebody is – Net rating. Yeah, net
1: net rating, rating, but there was like a – Net rating was like even.
3: There was something else that was – like, uh, I don't know what it was, their win expectancy or something. Yeah, that their, they had. Py-
1: their Pythagorean win loss. That's long. what it was. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. 43 and 39 or something, or 42 yeah. or, and 40.
3: And, and I remember one even had them at like a 38 win team, or I think that might have been the net rating suggested that they'd be more like a 39 or 38 win team or something like that. So I think last year's team, you know, if you're going to compare them, this year's team versus last year's team, I think that, uh, you know, they they weren't as good as their record last year. And I think that they're better than their record this year, even though I don't really think this team is near as good as advertised, you know, as it was coming into the year, their net rating would suggest that, um, uh, that they're better than, you know, a 47 or 48 win team. And then just also the fact, and, and granted they started off eight and 12. And I think that that's so much of what has kind of got their record where it's at, but I don't know if they, if they did, they get back into the top 10 in defensive efficiency after the game. um, Yesterday against the Pelicans, I don't know if they no, did or not. They're eleventh. Okay, so but if for a lot of this, they've been in top ten, and and being in the top ten in both of those suggests you're a very good team, um, historically speaking. So, um, you know, they've had the fifth best record in the NBA since December first. All those things put together, you know, they've had some kind of weird finishes to games that they you know, either blown themselves or maybe controversially. So, and then they've also just like dropped dumb ones, you know, that, and they went through some growing pains and other things. So, you know, if they finish up with 47 wins, exactly the same as they had last year, I think that they're, they're better than that. Um, but, but I don't, I'm not all of that to say, I'm not sitting here and going to say that, Oh, the thunder is some championship contender. And, you know, they're like as good as the rockets right now. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, but I do think that they're better than, than last year's team.
0: What say you, John Hamm?
2: Yeah, I mean everything you touched on there. If you look at last season, <clears throat> according to NBA.com, their net rating uh was zero point negative zero point two. Negative zero point two. Uh teams around them, Indiana, which was negative zero point one, that was a forty two win team. They were you know, the Thunder last season were six games better than Portland, which was dead even on the on the net rating. Chicago was barely a positive. So, um, and last season, you know, teams that had a negative rating of around three won fifty-one to fifty-three games. So, yeah, you know, that's the one thing I've tried to caution: is that no two seasons are alike. You know, that first Thunder team that went to the playoffs was a fifty-win team that you know clawed in as an eight seed, basically. So, um, no two seasons are alike. This team is better. There's more parity in the Western Conference. Yeah. Even than I expected before this season. Um, and yeah, I mean, and, and the thing about that net rating is even if you go and you do it, uh, since December 1st, I mean, it, it's, it's still hold true. They're 2.7 on the year. They're 2.7 since January 1st. So, you know, this, uh, this team is, I think this team is what it is at this point. Win loss aside, this team is, is one that, you know, if, if guys are clicking, and they're defending at a high level, they can compete with just about anybody. Um, but a lot of times they do things that tend to put them in awkward positions.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I thought last night's game was really interesting in a lot of ways. One, they won. Two, I thought they got some really great shots throughout the game. They just weren't hitting them. And then Billy changed the rotation. Fred, do you think that this is something that looks closer to a playoff rotation he played nine guys there's no ferguson last night josh this was not a part of the rotation but do you think this is something that we can maybe look at and say huh like maybe billy's trying out a playoff-esque rotation
1: uh yeah i think we can say that uh because i asked him about it and that's what he told me
3: mm-hmm. wow so, Good recording uh,
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> you did your job finally, somebody asked one of the relevant tough questions. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to find the exact quote. Unfortunately, I did the reporting, but I didn't keep the reporting organized. So uh, I I don't have it in front of me. I do, but it's a really long block quote, and it's going to take me a long time if I read the whole thing. But he basically said that he wanted to try it out. And he was going to he said, I was going to try to do this regardless of the Pelicans or if they were playing somebody else. And he approached Paul George and Russell Westbrook about it in the morning, you know, pulling Paul George for a couple of minutes in the middle of the first and third quarter. And uh, then playing him into the second, like he normally does, giving him some extra rest there, bringing him Russ a little bit earlier in the second and fourth with about 10 and a half minutes to go. And he those guys. And uh, Paul George said that it was giving him a playoff feel like uh, where's the Paul George quote? You know what? I don't have the
3: Paul George quote either, guys. (laughs) I take back my compliment.
1: Quality.
3: (laughs) This
1: is quality (laughs) podcasting. You know what? No one told me you were going to ask me this. I could have called it up before. But Paul basically said something along the lines. I'm thinking this is good for the playoffs. There we go. I got nothing. I got. And that was a
3: a spectacular quote, too. (laughs) Good stuff, Fred. Thanks. I'm enlightened and encouraged. Thank you.
2: Uh, I interviewed, I interviewed the guy on the grassy knoll, but I, I can't find <laughs> the
3: paper.
1: So, how do we here feel? Here <laughs> we go. Here we go. Here okay. we go. Come At on, the Fred. end of the day, we both want what's best for the team. This is Paul. We both want what's best for the team and what's going to work best going forward. We're trying to gear up and have a rotation set for the playoffs, which isn't an implication. It's just him saying it's for the playoffs.
0: Yeah. So how do we feel about we that go. rotation? Because I don't, I don't know. Like Josh, I know Josh Hustis is like not like shouldn't be a huge topic of conversation. But like if you look at the on up numbers for like the past like fourteen games, like his numbers are like really good when he's on the court. Uh, he played really well against Golden State uh, when they played in Oakland and they won. I
1: just, I think Josh is going to play against the Warriors for the record.
0: Okay. And, but we haven't um, seen him and like, how long has it been since he's played any
2: meaningful minutes? It's been a while. Yeah, been like two weeks maybe. Yeah. Week and yeah. a half at least.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's going to play against the Warriors, though, because Billy at practice today uh, when uh, I think it was Barry Trammell asked him at practice today about the Thunder's success in two out of those three games against the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And if they, if they believe they match up well, and Billy said yes because he just thinks they have the length to match them. And the first person that he named when he talked about their length was how he liked how Josh guarded those guys. And I know Billy had previously said he thinks he does a good job on Clee Thompson. So I think it's very possible that Josh gets 15 minutes tomorrow night. I think yeah. that's plausible. So,
0: Royce, is this just the Thunder continuing their uh, trajectory of just never, ever giving Josh a fair shake? And like just like not letting him play for two weeks and then, oh, by the way. You're playing for the against. Hey, the can you
3: lock down Clay Thompson real quick for us? Thanks, right. buddy.
0: <laughs> right? Can you do that? And then well, I don't know if you'll play the rest of the season. Maybe. And then have everybody the be Warriors. super
3: judgmental and uh, reactionary when maybe you go over four from three. Right. And like and and be really very upset with you, but like uh, but thanks for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is yeah. up with this? It's so weird. It's very weird. It's a very small storyline, but it's a very weird one.
3: I mean, it's just, I think it, 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 for one, I think it's kind of how Billy Donovan handles a roster is that he, he views the whole thing kind of as one entity that he can, you know, plug and play a lot of different things. He likes to talk about that, keeping guys engaged, uh, except for Kyle Singler and, um, (laughs) and like, and kind of play people at different points based on matchups. I mean, technically it's kind of what, like so many people claim that they want in a coach, right? Like it's, it, you know, utilizing the roster, the strengths and weaknesses of guys and taking advantage of the players that you have, putting them in based on matchups. Uh, the reality is, though, is that for a player like Eustace, um, it obviously greatly affects uh, I, I don't know if the word I would use is confidence or whatever. It, it affects the player, though, and I think that in basketball, it's not as simple as it is in, like, baseball, where it's like, oh, I've got this lefty on lefty matchup. We're going to go to this in the bullpen, and then you may not pitch for four days. It's that's just not the way basketball and rhythm and confidence and all those types of things work, and especially when it comes to Houston's a player that I think many people have seen some true potential in. And potential to be a, a a pretty stable rotational player in the NBA, and it kind of feels like that he's just being cast to the wayside based on he's a matchup guy. Uh, I mean, he was the Thunder starting shooting guard for what two and a half three weeks before Corey Brewer got signed, and in classic Thunder fashion, once uh, you know Josh Eustis goes from starter to zero minutes. I mean, that's just. That's the sort of stuff that, that seems to, to happen a lot. It even ha- happened back with Scott Brooks and Tabo Cephalosha. I remember Tabo Cephalosha. Who did they start him? You probably remember. Um,
2: <laughs> they started Perry Jones at one point for five games.
3: Right. I remember they started somebody in place of Tabo to kind of like replicate his defensive ability. I think it was Andre. It was Andre. That's who it was.
2: They He eventually went to Andre, but he actually did start Perry Jones for a few games. Okay, that, that's what it was.
3: But I just remember yeah. he they went to Andre when Andre was either a rookie or a second-year player to kind of like plug and play as Tabo. And then once Tabo came back, then Andre went back to bouncing between the D-League and the Thunder and everything. <laughs> that's yeah. just kind of how it goes.
0: Yeah, and, and it's just what's funny is that like you look at the on-off – uh, net ratings and stuff. When since Corey's been on the team, I like the Thunder a negative ten point three when he's on the court. When Corey's on the court and Josh during that same time plus seventeen point two. Obviously, the sample's a lot smaller with Josh, but it's still just like kind of maddening to to look at those numbers. Because Corey, like he's been good, but like he's also like quietly dropped off a cliff after like that crazy run. You mean he wasn't
3: gonna done. keep averaging twenty two points a game <laughs> with six steals? <laughs> <laughs> I still feel like he
0: do- he does stuff, and like that number is probably not indicative of the impact that he's had on the team, even after he's fallen off a cliff. But still, like th- that number eventually is telling you something. And I know that Josh doesn't shoot the ball well, and that's been a probably a huge reason why he doesn't play. Uh, but still, like that number doesn't it-, it tells a part of the story, and I just don't I just don't understand it. To be honest. Andrew,
1: it's funny because it's funny the analogy that you use. Because if there is one Thunder player that I would trust least trying to balance himself on a cliff, it would be Corey Brewer. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> he would. He may have literally fallen off a cliff in his. Yeah, lifetime. like if if you told me that the Thunder took a team trip to a cliff, I would like worry for Corey Brewer's safety. Don't
3: take Corey. And on, and on the way down, he'd hit the side of the backboard.
2: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> man I, I i just went back and looked here remember the days when we were clamoring for uh, for jeremy lamb to get more playing time and maybe mm. start
3: yeah those, those were, were the days. days man good days
2: takes me back um <clears throat> yeah josh he played 11 minutes about 12 minutes uh on march 10th and then he's played four games since then, and he's logged six minutes or less in those in those four games yeah. that he's played. He got in the Toronto game, remember, because Corey Brewer got an early foul trouble, mm-hmm. and you know it was like, okay, let's get the the closest facsimile we have to Corey Brewer out there. Um, and otherwise, yeah, he's he's kind of fallen out. But on the other hand, I mean, as far as the as the rotation goes, I mean. I expected that it was going to shrink somewhat because, I mean, especially in the playoffs, some of the minutes are going to go up amongst the key guys. Um, and one or two guys are going to get left out. Really, it comes down to, is Josh the 10th guy? Is it Terrence? It, does it just depend who they're playing? Uh, you know, those sorts of things in, in determining who's actually going to get some playoff minutes.
3: Yeah, and Ferguson and Abrinas have both played reasonably well over the last couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Which, Perfect. which I think has made has kind of accelerated that that decision is that neither one of those guys have necessarily you know played themselves out of minutes where Billy was looking for another solution. Um, although, like Fred, Fred and I were talking about it during that Blazers game while C.J. McCollum was cooking the Thunder is like I thought that Billy should have went to Houston at that moment. Like they, he couldn't really find somebody to go with to go with on McCollum. And to me it was like man, go with Houston. Houston is a, an ideal matchup against a guy like McCollum. He's got size. He can get off the floor to contest the the pull-up jumpers. I don't think the McCollum's going to just roast Houston off the dribble. Um, you know, he's he can Houston can chase guys around screens, so anyway,
0: I w- I wondered during that game if the Thunder just didn't want to show their hand that if they did play him in the playoffs, they would just put Paul George on him. Yeah, I mean, because I just don't think the the use of Paul George standing in the corner guarding Aminu or Harkless like that's like why, like any like Abrines could do that, you know Felton could even do that. Like, why are you? I just wonder if that's a part of that because I, I feel like he could defend him much better than what and and you know the Thunder did a good job. Felton was great against him. I think he did the best he could. Yeah,
3: so, McCollum hit some great shots. Oh
0: man, he was so good. Uh, so the Thunder have lost four of six recently, but am I wrong to think that they're they've been playing like pretty good basketball? Like everybody wants them to be playing like their best basketball, and I know this has maybe been the most frustrating stretch of basketball for the Thunder because all these games mean so much. But this certainly isn't like their worst stretch. But maybe it's like one of their better stretches, even though they've lost these games. Am I crazy to
1: think that, Fred? Uh, you're not crazy. Uh, no, no, you're not, <laughs> you're not crazy. Uh, the, but, but I don't necessarily agree. Uh, the, I don't, I don't think they're playing great cause they've had a lot of sloppy outcomes mm-hmm. and it's, it's more that like, they're not playing horribly. But they're playing far from the best basketball that they could be. And it's because all of their problems remain like on the margins. And they're the things that like the good teams are doing by game 76 and 77, you know, mm-hmm. like like the late game execution stuff has been poor. And just like the little details of like Mello is still popping to 20 feet when no one is guarding him and he could pop to 24, not on every possession, but on some of those possessions. And like Russell is still going in and out on the type of shots that he wants to take. Sometimes taking those, you know, silly pull up threes when he's contested and he's early in the shot clock. And on other nights being, you know, the, the attacking guy. And he says that he reads and reacts, but sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he decides I'm going to take this shot and you know that he does because Royce and I do a thing where we will try to beat the other one to it without even talking about it. We just try to beat the other one to say, Oh, Russell's shooting the three here. This is happening. <laughs> and, and Royce, you know, we do that. And like, and, and you can the one tell
3: in San Antonio, man, I was like, I was on that before the ball even found Westbrook's hand. I was like, Oh my gosh, he's about to shoot a three. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's these small, like on the margin things which are small, but they're also, like, the most easily fixable. And so, like, for example, they they, they had these small on-the-margin things they didn't do in New Orleans. But if they just hit their open shots, like, they got a lot of good open shots, then they blow them out and you don't really think about it. But, like, in the playoffs, those things are going to matter. When, like, you don't have home court and you're playing Portland or whether you do or you don't and you're playing San Antonio or Minnesota or whomever, like, that's going to matter. That could make the difference in a game. And – they're still not doing that, and I think that's why they're not playing their best basketball. Yeah. yeah. I, the, the things that you named, though, like, those are things that aren't changing, <laughs>
0: you know? Like, Mello's yes, not sure. Gonna, Mello's not popping out to three, and I I think that's probably a comfort thing for him more than it is like a, I'm taking the best shot that I can for whatever amount of points and let me calculate it real quick and here's where I need to go. Like, like I think he's just comfortable there. Then Russell, but I, they're, and Russell taking those threes. I mean, that's a part of why Russell is Russell.
3: There are those things though that are controllable and changeable that are on the margins, like Fred said, like free throw shooting, Uh-oh. turnovers, yeah. offensive rebounding, and those are things that they like. I, I you know it's kind of this hard thing to explain. I think part of it is is that 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 they are pressing, that they feel pressure in those situations. They know that they need these wins. They know that the expectation is for them to win they know you know uh how the importance of the games and you know paul george misses a free throw against denver obviously mellow against boston um you know and so i think it's one of those things that like to your point andrew I, I don't necessarily think that they're playing like great basketball or anything right now but they are as so many different times they have been the season just like you know you can total them up on one hand to probably say that you know they could have beat the blazers uh the Nuggets. And what was the other game they lost in there? Boston. Who was that against? Boston. Um, they, yeah, they could have won those three on probably four different plays. Like if they just, if those plays go their way and then you're sitting here and you're, you're talking about how the thunder are rolling their way into the playoffs, looking like they might be the three seed. And these are controllable things that they, they only can look at themselves in the mirror for, I mean, they lost a very competitive, good game against the Portland trailblazers. That's just a game where you say McCollum was awesome. Um, you know, Melo missed some open shots. They didn't win the game. That's an NBA basketball game, high level game against a good team. You didn't win it. Oh, well, that's the way it goes. And a lot of the same ways you could kind of say that against Denver, even though the Thunder, I think, probably more lost that game than the Nuggets won it. Um, Boston, clearly the thunder gave that one away, but again, the Celtics made the shots, Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, they knocked down crazy good shots. And so you just tip your hat and you say, "Ah, you lost that game. The problem is that they threw so many other games away this season where these are magnified. And, but, but in those games that they threw away earlier in the season to like what Fred said, these are the the small, finer details of a game that back in November, when you say, ah, they shouldn't have lost that game, that needs to be better by now. And, and they, you know, you, you could you could make a strong case to say, like the Boston game, for example, yeah, Marcus Morris, Terry Rozier missing the free throws, but they should have been up 10 at different points in that game. They they really kind of blew the game at different other areas where they didn't take full control of it. So um, I, I think it is there's an element of process over results. If they had gotten the results you want, would we be sitting here saying they're playing great basketball? or versus? Because I really think that they're, they're just kind of who they are.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know what else, Royce, and you kind of got to this a little bit, they're they're letting go of opportunities to run away with games like they probably should have run away.
3: Yeah. New Orleans yesterday. The is New great Orleans team, game. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. When's the last time they blew a team out?
2: How many times going- have we had that conversation this year?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time like the well, Atlanta can- game was a 12 point game, but it was close. Sacramento was close. I guess Phoenix on March 8th mm-hmm. was the last time they blew someone out. That's the only time that's the only time that they have blown anyone out in almost two months. Like Mm -hmm. going back to when they when they beat Memphis by 18. Uh, Yeah, well, when they beat Memphis, they beat Memphis by 18. Yeah, you're right. February 11th and and they and they beat Golden State by 20 on February 6th. So like since February 12th, they have which is what over a month and a half. They have blown out the seasons almost. Yeah. They have blown out one team, and it was the Phoenix Suns at home. Like that, that is a bit of a problem. Like I, I think it was Daryl Morey who has the quote, and it's a good quote. It's a, to paraphrase. See this quote, I remember. Uh, to par- <laughs> but to paraphrase, it's good teams don't win close games. Good teams don't play close games. And the Thunder are, are – I sorry, it's great teams, not good teams. See, I actually don't know this quote. Uh, but it's great teams straight, don't win Fred. close games. Great teams don't play close games. And the Thunder are just playing constant close games. And it's, it's good that they're, they're winning most of them because early in the year they were losing all these close games that, that were coming down to the wire. But, you know, they're, they're not blowing anybody out ever. It's just not happening even with the horrible teams. And, uh, you know, that, that probably says something too. They're just
3: pull away when you, when you set yourself up to rely on Russell Westbrook inefficiency to win you games, because, and sometimes it does the Atlanta game. An example, he hit the three, the Denver game. He didn't hit the three. And so it's one of those situations where you, you kind of, you know, you set yourself up for it and some of them you win, some of you lose. So, you know, if you don't take control of games and, and, you know, avoid those situations, then you're going to win some of the close games. You're going to lose some of them. That's the way the NBA works. You don't always win them. You don't. You know. You don't always lose them. And uh, that that's kind of why they find their, themselves where they are.
0: Yeah, I mean, all all that makes sense. I, I don't think that there's some like great team going into the playoffs, but I guess maybe they play good spurts. And then they do like last night, like there were just spurts where they just let everything down. Like they're they're walking on defense, they're letting guys get into the lane, they're allowing wide open threes, and then for the next five minutes they're just playing as hard as they can. And they like have this on and off switch that like goes on and off like twenty times during a game. And like that's that's where it can be a little maddening. But like within it, like you can say, oh like they're getting good shots. Like they're generating go you know, open looks for Mellow and open looks for Paul George that corner three for Paul George there at the end of the game was like a really good example of the offense that they can have, um, but they just can't keep it consistent for whatever reason. Just because you know, I don't know, and it, probably a lot of it is that's how Russell Westbrook plays a lot. Mm-hmm. Is that he takes that's what I was going to say? He takes a ton of plays off, and he goes 130 percent on a ton of plays, and that's just like the nature of Russ. And this team has kind of taken on that personality. Uh, to a very large degree.
1: Let me ask you a question. Um, Somebody posed this to me on Twitter recently. I don't remember who, so I won't uh, be able to credit you, but it was an interesting enough question. And it was, uh, is it time to admit that this team has one of the highest ceilings in the NBA, but that it will never actually reach that ceiling?
3: I love it when people do the, is it time to admit, like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is it time to admit Billy Donovan is, time, is a fraud and can't coach in the NBA? <laughs>
1: <Why>? <laughs> is it time though, Royce? Is it time? Ignore the structure. Focus on the substance.
3: I mean, I think that the, uh, the 70, how many games have they played 78 games that they've played would suggest that the glimpses of them reaching that potential the likelihood is very slim <laughs> and um i think that they i think that they could reach that ceiling absolutely in two games of a playoff series but it takes four to win that playoff series so the question is can they do it four times in a playoff series i think the thunder are a classic example that if They play a playoff series against anybody. I think that that series is almost guaranteed to go six or seven games. They could play the Dallas Mavericks right now in a playoff series. And that series would probably go seven games. (laughs) I I just think that that's just going to be the nature of this team. And I think that, so I don't know if that really answers the question. I I don't think that they're going to reach their their potential. I don't think that they're going to scratch the surface of that ceiling.
2: Well, so Andrew, I want to go back to what you mentioned about Russ. And I mean, that that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, this team goes as Russ goes. We've been saying that. And there are things that Russ does, you know, again, we've talked about some of these ill-advised three-pointers that he puts up. If that's Markel Fultz, we're like, okay, he's going to grow out of that in a couple of years. That's Donovan Mitchell. He's going to grow out of that in a couple of years. He'll figure it out. The dude's a 10-year veteran. And he's still making these, you know, just brain-dead plays, a lot of the times, light in games usually. Um, how can – is it possible to get through to Russ? Because I, I, I fully believe that people are trying, and I believe to an extent from time to time that it works. Is it possible to get through to him? I, I, I don't know if it's possible.
3: I think you could make the case that, that he has been gotten through to. Um, but Doesn't look, seem he's... To stick. It's just the the issue is I think Ham is that he's no matter what you do no matter how much you coach him no no matter how much you show him stuff he's still Russell Westbrook and the the shot can still go in you know so like it's yeah like
2: it's that that kill shot mentality that he has late in the game where
3: you know exactly yeah
2: we're up by five and oh there's five on the shot clock I could throw a dagger right here yeah but I I think
3: you could I think you could make that same type of you know, you could say that same sort of thing about some of the other great players in the league, too. You know, you watch Steph Curry play and obviously he's a much better shooter than Westbrook. But like, you know, he has those deficiencies, too, where you're like, you know, and I think that there's obviously a level of forgiveness because it's, you know, it, it the, the way that he plays and the success that he's had. Um, but, you know, there's a time and a place for him to throw, you know, kind of a fancy pass. Durant, I think, was always a guy that loved the kill shot himself. Uh, I mean I think all these players – all these great players, you know, part of what makes them great and I think Westbrook especially is like just an unflinching, unwavering belief in himself and a desire to win and that's his greatest weakness at the same time is that like, you know, those those type of mistakes, he sets himself up for him because he's willing to put himself out there for him. You know, so like – uh, I, I think I don't think that I think Russell Westbrook is what he is. I think he's made a You know, he's made a change in the way he's playing. You know, he, he has I think, clearly tried to resist taking the volume amount of threes in games. He's kind of laxed in that a little bit lately. Uh, you know, the game against Denver being the example. But I don't I think he's trying to get to the rim more. He's trying to play in the mid range and he's trying to resist those threes. But sometimes I think he's got to take a bite of the forbidden fruit. I think he kind of has to indulge himself. Uh you know, just almost—it's like a—you um, know—it's kind of like a, a little bit of a check. He's got to check himself to make sure that he doesn't like lose kind of the fabric of what what's made him the player that he is.
2: Yeah, and I, I would be—I would be more forgiving, except he's a this season twenty nine percent three point shooter. He's a less than twenty one percent three point shooter in clutch situations. It's—and and I know, like last season, it paid off, and that's been. You know, I was asked to explain this morning about Russ, you know, taking like, for example, uh, oh, well, what game was that? I'm getting my games mixed up where uh, Russ took the the shot that went over to overtime. Denver. What there was uh, like five mm-hmm. seconds on the clock when when Russ got the ball and it wound up being a long shot. And I'm like, look, I mean, that went in against Atlanta and Sacramento earlier this season. And I not even talk about late game situation, you know, like end of the game shots. I'm talking about just in the flow late in the game that, you know, there, there's this, this play that Russ does that just seems to derail a bunch of things. And, you know, like I say, I just wonder if and, and how it's possible to kind of sit down right and say, okay, Russ, don't do that. Mate, you know, we could probably do something different on that play.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was just reinforced too many times last season that that was the right thing to do. Like he honestly hit so many of those shots last season I like you do stuff like that and you continue to have success after success after success, even though, like, all the numbers say it's unsustainable. And, like, you can't continue to do that. Like, I just feel like he was reinforced to way too many times last season to, like, get that out of, like, his head. Like, I just don't think there's anything you can do to get that out of his head. And, you know, yeah. maybe maybe it wins the Thunder another game or two down the stretch here. And, you know, back to the ceiling question. Like the Thunder have reached their ceiling this season. They've only they've just done it like a game at a time, you know. They when they played in Golden State, like wow, like that was impressive. The first game at home against Golden State, that was really impressive. Like they've they've done it, like they just can't sustain it. And maybe yeah. and that's the problem, is that they cannot sustain that level of play. And maybe they unlock something in the playoffs, but may but to me like they'll do it for a game or two, like Roy said, they can do it for two games, but can they eke out two more wins? And it's, you know, who who knows? Like, who knows what happens with this team? But, like, that, I feel like they already have hit their ceiling. They just can't stay there.
3: Kind of in that same vein, let me ask you guys this. McKelly posed this question on Twitter, and I thought it was a really interesting one because it kind of goes hand in hand. Like, Paul George is a good example, I think, of kind of how good the Thunder can be and how mediocre they can be. Because yesterday against the Pelicans, he starts off, he's making his shots, he's getting to the rim, he's finishing. He gets virtually the same shots the rest of the game, and he suddenly starts missing them. Is are there other NBA players that are as drastic in that in that regard of that they that he got the same shots and now he and I know you're not going to make everything, you're going to miss open shots. It's going to happen. But it, with Paul George, it seems to be such a drastic, obvious thing that he will just kind of click off and click on in terms of the shots that he makes and that he doesn't make. Is there an explanation for that?
2: Royce be nice because you know, we're going to, we're going to shoo him out of town. If you keep talking about him like that.
3: (laughs) I mean, I thought that even on Paul George's misses that they looked really good. It's like in space jam. When I strike out, I look bad when you, when you miss threes, Paul, you look good.
0: (laughs) Wow. This is how we know this is the best podcast ever is because you're quoting space jam.
3: (laughs) i probably got that quote quote quote, totally wrong
0: (laughs) yeah i don't know how to explain paul it's it's been a really interesting experience watching him play basketball because he's had stretches where you're like whoa like this is a easily a top five player in the nba because he can play on both ends and you can't stop him on the offensive end and then he has a month like he did in march and you're like, "Wow." Is he a top 30 player? I'm not sure. I don't think he is. He sure Would can't. I give him the max?
2: I yeah, does he deserve
0: the You know, I, do we really want him in Oklahoma City? Like, do we guys? You know, I mean, it, he is a tough player to evaluate. And I, you know, we can play, you know, pop psychologist with him all we want. But, you know, he's had stretches in his career where he just goes cold. And that's just like been a part of Paul George. And so maybe it's just as simple as that. Sometimes we like to dig in as deep as we can. And oftentimes we're probably coming up with answers that are just not even close. And it's really just like, man, he shot the ball well this month. And you know what? He really didn't this month. And he's doing everything the same. We don't really know why, but that's just the way that it is. It's like the Scott Brooks. Like, he just needs to be better. And Paul George just needs to be better. It's the weather. You heard. Well, it's freezing
3: yeah <laughs> it's freezing cold out here fred go ahead and chalk paul george a prefer a five of 18 tomorrow night yeah, yeah it's, too, it's too cold it's got a little...
1: yeah, it was very hot in new orleans and then once it got late and it cooled off boom so did he mm.
3: <laughs> sun goes down so does paul george so paul so george is like an
1: anti-werewolf he's like the opposite of teen wolf the sun goes down and he gets worse. Day games, incredible.
2: Well, thankfully, a lot of playoff games will be in the afternoon. So if, if OKC should, should be lobbying for one of those spots,
0: yeah, can we can we get that uh, that eleven o'clock NBA TV spot, please, so Paul George can play well.
1: Uh, he has always been really good in the playoffs, though. Yeah. Yes, he has. He, he and Chris Paul. It's this weird thing where they're both great playoff performers, like but they have reputations of being bad playoff performers or unclutched players or however you want to say it like Chris Paul's playoff numbers are ridiculous, and they're incredible, and Paul Georges are really fantastic, like he has great he has better playoff numbers than regular season numbers, I think, and he's had some unbelievable series where he's just been he's been like really, really incredible on both ends of the floor. He's a very, very good postseason player. He's got that that history in him. I don't know why he has that reputation, just because like he's missed some buzzer beaters. But it's a weird thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. How do we reconcile? Like, how do you reconcile that? It's just like the the pressure is on and now I'm on the big stage and I'm gonna show up kind of thing. I don't well, know. Well I asked him about it. Well, what did he say?
3: Reporter Fred? Tell me. Yeah, go he, through your quotes said, for five minutes and tell us. <laughs> he said the weather yeah <laughs> that's I, why i made that joke yeah he said he said the
1: weather because it's warm out and i was like i think he just doesn't know the answer and he's just trying to be yeah, nice and, of course and, and dig for something he's like oh, i do
3: weather maybe it's nice out it's yeah, warm you know, uh, I think probably it was, like uh you know like carbon dioxide and-
1: <laughs> yeah i mean like maybe if we were like playing in the in the park or something and it was outdoor basketball <laughs> right. but, like
3: like it's the wind was blowing and affecting his shots.
1: Also like his struggles were in March and his best months were January, December, January, and February. So I don't really know. Um,
3: I think that was exactly it, Fred. I think he was just like, he's asking me, I'm going to try to give him an explanation, even though I have no idea. I'm just missing shots right now. I don't know what And I saying. feel
1: like after, after it, he was probably like, that didn't make any sense. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> he would, he would be right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How do we feel about Carmelo Anthony today? It's I was been, waiting
3: for you to bring up Melo.
0: It's been a weird little ride with Melo lately. Uh, what's funny, in the last 14 games, he has the third best on off net rating on the team. And everybody's like clamoring for Jeremy Grant to play. Well, the defensive rating is exactly the same, whether it's Melo or Jeremy Grant on the floor. And so, like, he is like the. Definition of low hanging fruit when it comes to Oklahoma City Thunder. Like, he's the one to blame every time. But I don't feel like he's been that bad. Like, I know he takes plays off, like, he walks to closeouts at times. But overall, like, the numbers all say Melo has helped this team. Are those numbers wrong? W- what do we think?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, His
2: three point shooting is up since the All Star break.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So there's that. Yeah.
3: But he missed two free throws in Boston ham and I saw yeah, that he did. happen. Right. And it's like He missed all the threes against Portland. Yeah. yeah. And it, but it's like, you know, you you ignore it. I think you're you're spot on, Andrew, is that it's like I I'm actually writing a Mellow story for tomorrow. And like one of the things that I think in there is that like Melo is kind of like a metaphor for the Thunder season as a whole in a lot of different ways. And I also think that he that's the reason that he's such an easy target is that, like, he's the guy that's been asked to change the most. And so, like, his like kind of transformation as a player, like represents like this experiment that hasn't completely worked and and hasn't worked to the way it was intended. You know, so many people, you know, were like Carmelo Anthony, when will he just finally accept it and become Olympic Mellow? Guess what? He is Olympic Melo right now. He's just not being good at it. <laughs> He's not. He is Olympic Mellow. He is playing the way he is largely taking catch and shoot threes. Now, they, the Thunder will indulge him at times, and he'll take a mid-post shot. You know, I mean, you can't take it all away from Carmelo Anthony. But for the most part, you know, like look at the game against San Antonio. Like that, Mellow went three of six in that game, didn't take a shot in the, in the fourth quarter, didn't say a word about it. Didn't, didn't make a peep about the fact that he was not involved in that game. He hovered around the three point line. He stood out there. Russell Westbrook didn't find him. Paul George didn't find him. That's not Carmelo Anthony's fault. Carmelo Anthony can't go get the ball and just take it and say, give me it and let me take over. If he does that, then you, then you're like, you know, you're turning the the clock back and you're screwing yourself up because that's what it looked like more back in October and November. So it's look, um, the, the situation against the Blazers was a weird one and Billy Donovan, I I think in some ways Jeremy Grant was the better matchup down the stretch. But the reason the Thunder lost that game was not because of defensive matchups. So like Melo missed the shots that you have him on the floor to take. He just missed them. Um, You know, the the situation against the Nuggets was super weird with Melo waving it off. But like look at it from this perspective, I think that, you know, Carmelo Anthony, the Thunder go up six and – Fred and I had a long conversation about it after the game. You know, was it true unselfishness by Mello? I think it might've, the more I've thought about it, I think it might've been self-preservation by Mello rather than, I don't think it was frustration. I don't think he was like, screw that. It's too late. I'm not going in. I think it was more, they're up by six with 222 to go. A whistle blows and Mellow walks in the game. All he has to lose, all, all he has at that point is to lose. It, the Thunder win the game. He was on the floor. He had nothing really to do with it you know, they, they win the game. If the Thunder blow a six point lead with Melo out on the floor, guess who everybody's talking about. Can you believe they subbed out Jeremy Grant when he was hot for Carmelo Anthony? I mean, it was just like, I don't know if Melo realized that in the moment, but so there's, there's so many different things with Carmelo Anthony. And I think that he is, he's is a fascinating kind of topic to like discuss this Thunder team because I think he represents so much about it.
1: And Andrew, you mentioned the on-off numbers. I don't really like the on-off numbers with Mello. Uh, I think you have to take him with a grain of salt because he, like, always plays with Russell Westbrook. Like, he is always on. So he's played 2,212 minutes this year next to Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. And he's played 165 without him. Mm -hmm. So, like, 95% of his minutes are coming next to Russ. And a lot of those minutes without him are from early in the year. At this point, he's just, like, always with Russ. And that's going to really improve those on offs sure. so I, I think you have to I think you have to dig a little deeper than just like the thunder are better with mellow on the floor uh just because well russ is there so of course they're going to be
0: mm-hmm. yeah no i i totally get that i understand that but they're i don't know steven plays a lot with with him too and his his numbers recently aren't as good as mellow i don't know i think it's it's just easy to hate on him and i just don't think he's been He's probably not as good as, like, everybody who defends him online, but he's certainly not as bad as everybody who just kills him. Like, he shouldn't even yeah. be, like, on the team at all.
3: I think the thing to be upset with Melo about is he just hasn't shot it well. I, I think that – and, you know, that's something obviously within his control. But, like, it, there's not, like, this, like, larger issue with Carmelo Anthony. Like he's, he has done what Billy Donovan has asked him to do. He has accepted his role. You know, there there's not really this – It's not really happening on the floor where Carmelo is like in the way of the offense and he's stunting Westbrook and George and everything else. It's just Melo hasn't played, hasn't done his job very well. I think that that's really what it comes down to. And then obviously, you know, when Paul George goes two of 15 from the floor, like much, I don't know what he was against um, Portland. What was Paul George? Four of 15, I think. We all kind of – can, you know, we all ignore that because we can sit there and we can rationalize it by saying, well, but he plays great defense and he makes a lot of plays on the other end of the floor. You're obviously not going to do that sort of thing with Carmelo Anthony. You know, Billy Donovan will, will throw the uh, – he's a great communicator on defense, which is code for he's garbage on defense and we're just trying to cover up for him. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> or there's just like – I feel like – um Yeah. They did the same type of thing with Kendrick Perkins all the time. It's like, he's just a great communicator. Like him calling out that screen. It's like better than anybody else calling out that screen. Um, <laughs> so I, it, look, I was actually, out, for some reason I, this stood out to me. I glanced over at this story that I'm writing. And in one of my notes, I just have, a, it just says mellow with the hat. Do you guys know what that might mean? <laughs> <Mellow> That's <with laughs> all I wrote hat. down. Mellow with the hat. I don't know what I meant there. Anyway, I got sidetracked. Cause I just saw that. Very, Royce, don't you know,
1: blow the whole story. out.
3: Mello what the hat. What What was I going for there?
2: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the post-All-Star break numbers, uh, Mello's averaging under 14 a game. On the other hand, I mean, Corey Brewer is getting a lot more opportunity than like Andre Robertson did. Uh, Steven Adams is obviously getting uh, getting some more looks, getting some more touches. Mello is shooting 38% from the field overall, but 41 from three. So you like that 41% on six attempts per game, six and a half almost, um, and 62% for the line, which, of course, you know, uh, we, we talked about Boston yesterday in New Orleans. He missed, you know, two and, and, and you know, during one trip to the line. There might have been his only two attempts. I don't remember. Um, yeah, I mean, his – they don't need him to score as much. Because they do have these other options, and at least if he's on the floor, I think other teams are going to respect him enough that they keep an eye on him. I don't. I, I'd, I'd be shocked if a team in a playoff series said, "Let's not even play Mello. Let's defend him like he's Andre Robertson. I just teams. I don't think they're going to do that. So, you know, that does matter too.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I, I do. As much as I've like given praise to Mello, I do think as the playoffs get closer. I'd love to see Jeremy Grant get a bigger role. And we used to have a segment on this show called, Is Jeremy Grant Any Good? And it would always end in me saying no. Um, but he's really good. And I think that he he deserves more minutes. He's obviously a better defender than Mello is. He's been hitting his three-point shot. Like, if he continues to hit threes at the rate that he is right now, like, he's got to play more. Like, he just has to play more. Um, and so, you know, we saw that against Denver. And so I just wonder if that will be something, too. Like, that's, like, one more adjustment that Thunder can make to be better. And we always thought that guy would be Patterson. Like, going into the season, that's who said it was. Really, up until this last, like, month and a half, it was always like, well, you know, if Patterson could come in and start, it probably should be Jeremy Grant. Like, he should probably get more minutes. And you can take away minutes from Melo,
2: you know, as these games continue to mean more.
1: Grant has been unbelievably efficient. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. The amount that he is getting to the line over, over this like two month hot streak. It's, it's, it's crazy. He's getting to the line like as often for 36 minutes as Russell Westbrook. And think about how much more Russell Westbrook shoots than him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, (laughs) he's been great. Maybe unsustainably great from three, uh, but I think that we've seen enough from his drive game to like say, like, that's real. Like, he is just better at driving to the basket. And some of it's that he's, like, almost only playing against centers, and so he has figured out that he has a step on almost all of these guys. Uh, but he's still finishing with contact. And he's still finishing in wacky ways. Like, he's he's been, you know, spectacular. And I feel like he's becoming a better defender. I always used to say that he looks like a good defender and he does things that make you think he's a good defender, but he's really not. But I feel like he's become a much better defender as the season has gone along.
1: Yeah, so his last 29 games, he's getting to the line more than 6 times per 36 minutes, which is very good for like a guy who uses an average amount of possessions and he's still only using 18% of possessions during that time, which is like pretty much half of Russell Westbrook's. Mm-hmm. So like I mean 6 times per 36 is Really, really good, and his true shooting over that period is sixty-four percent. That is re- that's like a ridiculous number. That is unbelievably efficient. Yeah. How good he's been! It's because he's getting the line so much, and just like everything's around the rim, and it's just he's been really good. He's been really, really good.
0: He's great. Uh We're gonna end the show, but before we do, it's time for the catch-up scale. Ooh. Royce Young on a scale of fresh fruit to chicken nuggets, how confident are you that the Thunder will avoid the seventh or eighth seed in the Western Conference playoffs?
3: Oh man! Um, speaking of the ketchup scale, did you see that guy that tweeted at us? Um, I don't know. It was probably two weeks ago that said his brun uh, his brun his son broke the ketchup scale by dipping his yes, yes. <laughs> he dipped his what in ketchup he dipped his like I don't know what it was is it blueberries. I don't know what it I was. I think
2: so. It, it was like, no a, it, was like a, it was like a high chair tray, and uh, yeah, there was a glob <laughs> of ketchup that blueberries got dipped into.
3: I oh. wonder if they just slid, like kind of made their way in over there, like the plate just kind of like got out of control, or if it was an actual dip situation. Oh, I you have know, well,
0: a I have a question before I let you go. Uh, give us give us an, a food item. So I went to Chick Fil A and got a chicken biscuit for breakfast, mm-hmm. and they asked me if I would like jelly, honey, or ketchup with it. And I thought, huh. I would never want ketchup with that. Would you want ketchup with a chicken biscuit?
3: Am I am I eating that for breakfast?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: No, I wouldn't want ketchup for that. I, I would have done that in the past, but to me, I think jelly is necessary on a ketchup. <laughs> I, can't, so I don't even know what I'm doing here. Uh, jelly is what you put on a chicken biscuit because oh, it's yeah. a breakfast item. Oh yeah, okay. All and right. so that like that like that like brings it all together in terms of the breakfast category there.
0: Yeah, we're tracking. All right, we're good to go now. All right, feel free. Go on.
3: So I would put uh, the thunder falling to the six, six. What am I saying? To the seventh or eighth seed. Yes. I would put it uh, at putting uh, ketchup on a chicken biscuit. <laughs> it's like a four, it's like a four, three, three and a half, or four. It's like if like worst came if uh, if things go bad and like you know the the jelly's out or whatever, and things don't really come together, then. Even though I kind of do believe it's more likely than that, but I wanted to just use chicken biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> are you going honey? Are you going honey first or ketchup first? Uh I'd go honey first. Okay, that actually good. sounds pretty good. All right, I think I, I you you're lining up my breakfast for tomorrow morning. You, you yeah, sound no, more no, like
2: no
0: You sound more like a person than you usually do during the segment, Royce.
3: Wow, that's good to hear. That I'm more normal than I thought. <laughs> I'm not weirdo kid that was dipping his blueberries in there. <laughs> oh man,
0: uh, you guys got anything else before we go? Yeah. S- sounds like no. Thanks for listening to our show. If you're a first-time listener, we appreciate you guys doing so. You can subscribe to this show, patreon.com backslash OKC Dream Team. We'll be doing uh, two shows per week until the playoffs, which is in like five minutes. And then we will update more than that during the playoffs. So please subscribe. we get more content just like this. And we'll talk to you guys again later on this week.